0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode number 24 of the Tax Security Podcast, where our panel of experts discuss all things Cisco security, including configuration, troubleshooting new features, and hot issues being seen by the Cisco technical assistance security teams. So today, we're going to be talking about the Cisco Identity Services Engine, or the ICE uh, solution, and that's Cisco's next-generation identity and access control policy platform. And we've got some really great special guests today to help deliver a good show for our listeners, and we really want this show to be highly technical, and we want to focus on uh, an overview of the ICE solution. We're going to talk about deployment best practices, uh, common problems, and then some hot issues and troubleshooting techniques that we're using in the TAC to troubleshoot problems with the ICE for ourselves. Uh, and we'll also talk about monitoring your ICE solution. So uh, to help deliver a great show today, uh, I'll introduce our panel of guests. First up, we've got special guest Jesse Dubois from uh, the AAA and Identity Solution TAC teams. How's it going, Jesse? Uh, How's it doing, Jay? All right, we've got Aaron Wooland, who is a TrustSec engineer in our Secure Network Services group. How's it going, Aaron?
1: It's going very well, thank you. Excellent. Aaron is remote. Uh, where are you today, Aaron? I am I am remote in San Jose, actually.
0: Okay, we've got a lot of remote users. Uh, next, I'll switch it over to uh, Blaine, who's in Richardson, Texas. How's it going, Blaine? I'm doing pretty well, Jay. How are you? I'm doing good. We've got uh, Magnus here in the room, Magnus Mortensen. How's it going, Magnus?
2: Every day I'm shuffling. Yep.
0: And uh, next up, we've got David. Who? Where, tell, tell everybody where you are, David. I am going to
3: Disney World. I'm in Orlando, Florida right now. Thank you very much. Going to visit the mouse. The Your mouse parents are the finally kid. taking oh, you <laughs> Yes, it took uh, many, many years. I'm finally going.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. I'm so proud of you. <laughs>
3: I'll get a picture with Mickey just for you. Right. Thank you.
0: So let's go ahead and get into the show. We're going to start with an introduction to the Identity Services Engine. So Aaron, um, why don't you give us just a basic overview of what the Identity Services Engine uh, provides to Cisco customers?
1: Uh, sure. In uh, for very simple terms, um, uh, to look at it as simply as possible, ISE is a, a next generation RADIUS server. So um you know it's going to handle all the network access requests and then go through a series of policies and hand out the authorization result of yes this user is allowed to access the network no that user is not um and, and we can get into a lot more of the complexities of of ways that we can generate those policies later on in the show
0: Okay and I mean it sounds a lot like um some of the other solutions that we've had for a long time. I mean, there's, you know, there's lots of radio service servers out there. There's um, previous uh, solutions that have done what you described. So how is, what are some things that make the Identity Services Engine different or, um, you know, a different solution than before?
1: Now, that's a great question. So, um, Identity Services Engine is actually the evolution of uh, everything that Cisco has been doing in the identity space for many, many years now. Um, the actual RADIUS engines that are in it actually stem from our um, access control server ACS Um, we've uh, we've coupled that with a um, even it's coming from the ACS 5 product line so it's got the more advanced context-aware policy engine in it Um, not not what was stemming from ACS 4 and below Um, But on top of that, we've actually integrated into this single product um, the ability to have profiling, which is the ability to try and identify what the endpoint is using a series of signatures, uh, as well as a whole guest lifecycle management, um, literally pulled right out of the NAC guest server. Um, And then all of the posture engines, so checking to see if your patch levels are where they belong and so forth, was actually combined into this as well coming from our, our NAC appliance solution. So again this is this is ICE um is part of a system uh called Trussec, and that system is really the next generation of NAC.
0: Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of different uh pieces that maybe uh before were offered in separate products, but now it's bundled together in one solution. Yes,
1: yeah. absolutely.
4: Something that really gets you as well is when, when everything's part of the same, uh, same architecture and the, you know, the same system, it really gives us the ability to uh, log everything centrally as well. So you get an overview of your you know, entire network from this one product instead of having...
0: To go to uh, several like, other places and try to correlate <clears throat> a lot of stuff together. A-
1: exactly. Absolutely. So, so we have a term or a system, we, like I said, I call, we call it TrustSec. Um, it's just it's the name of this it's not a single product because it's it's a combination of you know the routers the switches um, wireless lane controllers you know our our VPN with the ASA and this policy engine which is ISE now um, to provide and and a way to uh, provide authentication authorization for network access regardless of how you're trying to enter the network um, and that system is called TrustSec. ISE uh, was actually designed to the specs of this TrustSec system, right? So we said we need, um, we need ACS or we need another policy engine to be able to um, handle all these different types of authentications and authorizations, be very flexible, provide a single console, provide a single point of management, a single point of monitoring, for all of these things that were all separate before, right? Um, and so that's actually where we, we wrote ICE basically, you know, from the ground up, right? But utilizing the radius engine that we pulled out of ACS, utilizing the posture engine pulled out of Mac Appliance,
0: okay. right?
1: And, and just just developing what we've, uh, what we've we learned over all these years of doing identity um, in a way to make identity deployable and successful.
0: Okay, and I think one thing that'll give a lot of context for uh, what we're doing here is to talk about sort of some of the past solutions that we've had. So David, you uh, literally wrote a book on one of the earlier versions of the NAC implementation. So David, walk us through some of the previous network authorization solutions Cisco provided and some of the other products and how that led up to where we are now.
3: Sure. So I mean Cisco obviously offered, you know, ACS as the first, you know, authentication and authorization along with accounting server. And um, we had, you know, two flavors, both Windows and Unix forms of that. And, you know, as we as time progressed, you know, in the in the two thousands, we looked and we said, you know, authentication and authorizing a user based on, you know, what privileges that user should have is one thing to grant them access to a device or to a network, but it really doesn't take into account um, a lot of other conditions that we would like to take into account. Um, Things like what device are they on and how, um, how, how healthy is that device itself or what's the risk of associating that device to the network at this point in time? And, you know, is it uh... a higher risk if that person associates or connects into the network in the core of the network versus say at a branch office right and so that kind of evolved into the NAC framework solution which was heavily leveraged on dot one x wired and wireless dot one x in order to both validate the identity of the user but more importantly it was our first uh, attempt at posturing the user so and ensuring the integrity of the device that they're connecting with um, however, because of the NAC framework solution was pretty complex in both its implementation as well as requirements on all the different um, components, the various switches and, and routers in order to implement the solution, it didn't have large um, adoption. And then. You know, next came along the, the NAC appliance, which really eased the deployment, you know, drop-in box and inline mode. We could do a lot of posturing as the traffic went through it. And you know, we kind of learned off, off these things and said, hey, we really wanted to get back to a full integrated solution, any device, anywhere attaching to the network, and allow us to make really easy um, workflow type policies that can define, you know, a policy for a network of how users can access and what resources that they get access to. And that's really where um, the TrustSec solution and the genesis of ICE started from.
0: So, I mean, let's get right down into it. If, if we have customers that already have ACS and NAC deployed as solutions, how could they take that and migrate to something like ICE, which includes all that functionality?
1: Oh, so that's, that's a good question. So there, there is migration capabilities to go from ACS over to ISE. Um, as I mentioned, we're using the same uh, Radius engine, underlying Radius engine in it. Um, so th- there actually is a migration tool that comes with it. But uh, at the current time, what you can do is migrate over things like your network device, uh, network devices sometimes called NADS. Um, you can migrate over local user accounts or local group accounts. Um, there's not a whole lot that you will truly want to migrate, um, most often because of the detail level we can get into with these policies, as David was just saying, the, with our ability to now look at so much more than we've ever been able to look at before when we're making an access accept or an access reject type of, 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 of result or decision, um, you won't want to migrate your old policies. Right, so you know, as of right now you can you can bring over the new devices, but we can use so many new attributes that really the policy should be looked at from scratch
4: and you have to remember you're also coming from multiple products, right, so you're coming from a c s where that your your nads come from from a c s you have a list of network devices that's a really good place to start. Um, you have your, you might have some local users and you might have some groups and things like that. So, you know, you may want to migrate those types of things, but we're not just coming from ACS with ICE. Uh, right now we're taking pretty, we're taking four products. We're taking Na- the NAC appliance. We're taking ACS. We're taking our NAC guest server and we're taking our NAC profiler. And we're integrating that all into into one solution. Um, so you, like Aaron was saying, you know, you, you don't have the option of integrating all of those well before um, so now you have all those options available to you so you do want to take a, a good look at your policies um, and you can do things now that you you, know, you haven't been able to do before. So
1: a perfect example for that would be um, you know one of the, the number one reasons why uh, ISE has taken off as quickly as it has is just this explosion of what you may want to consider consumer type device into the corporate world Right, so I call it an iRevolution. revolution. Right, it's the uh, the iPads, the iPhones, the Android devices, <clears throat> and you want to be able to use that type of knowledge that this is an Android device. It's not a corporate issued PC to make a decision now for access into the network. Um, so you know this is a this is a big. Uh, it's a big change in the way that we'd want to do things with policies where before it might just be hey it 's an authorized user, they had the right username and password, just give them full access now it 's stating it's an authorized user, they have the right username and password, but that is not an authorized device that I know has running the correct security uh tools on it, therefore, I need to prevent them from accessing anything you know um uh, sensitive or you know I think confidential or PCI data or whatever that might be, right? So maybe now since it's an iPhone, even though it's an authorized user, I'm going to send back an authorization result that doesn't grant them full access to the network. It grants them guest access so that they can access the internet only or something like that.
2: All right, Aaron. So it sounds like you have a lot of experience with sort of these uh, initial deployments for customers. Now, sort of in your, in your uh, past uh, deployments, you know, what are some of the best practices and what are some really common deployment issues that you've run into? And more so, you know, as a beginner in this, what's the best way to go about getting started as a customer?
1: Um, so I'd say the best way to get started as a customer is to work with uh, your Cisco account team or an authorized technology partner, an ATP partner. Um, for for them to even acquire um, Cisco's ISe uh, with the advanced licenses, it will require a high level design that has been submitted uh, and approved by uh, engineers such as myself. Uh, and we're doing that because there are so many moving parts in an identity solution, and we just want to make sure that the customers looking at all the, 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 the whole solution as a whole, and that they're going to have a successful deployment. They're not going to try to go down a, a specific rat hole that will uh, cause problems for them. And then um, we just want everyone to be successful.
2: Now, you, you mentioned they're going through this, uh, you know, high-level design phase with specific partners. Is there a way that a customer can, for example, get an ISE solution without going through a partner? Is there any sort of, sort of a commercial retail side of it or something to that nature?
1: So... Um, Basically, there if the customer is going to be doing wired, wireless ISE only, there are specific uh, SKUs that are wireless only that do not require an ATP. Mm-hmm. But if they're going to be doing wireless and wired, it does require you to either have uh, an ATP partner or to work very closely with your Cisco account team where they can fill out the high-level design with you uh, to, to get the high-level design approved.
2: Cool, cool. So, you know, looking at... Um, you know, common deployment issues that you've run into, you know, it sounds like you're you're kind of in the path of a lot of these, uh, you know, between conception to deployment. Uh, what are some really common issues that you've run into just in approving these high level
1: designs? Um, what we found is that uh, a lot of times customers um, and and Cisco account teams will go into a proof of concept, uh, loading ISE up into a virtual machine and loading it up with the, the bare minimum of hard drive space. Um, 500 gig is the recommended amount of space per ICE node that you're going to deploy, um, and but it will run with 60 gig. And I've had customers who are sending, you know, 16 to 60,000 active endpoints on the network all through an ISE deployment with only 60 gig of space, and that's not meant for production. It will run out of data, and they will have a problem.
3: So I think in those cases, we're talking about Customers deploying a VM image of the ICE server instead of the obviously one of the three hardware options that we offer. That's correct. Yeah. So in the VM image, it, it's critical that you know we they allocate enough space um, for both uh, the mainly the logging and accounting information as well as you know the number of devices and users that they're having um, to posture authenticate to the ICE system.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. It's um. I, and so maybe you recommend maybe. at
3: least five hundred gigs.
1: Uh, uh, well, five hundred gigs is the recommended amount. Um, it doesn't have to be more than that. It just needs to be five hundred gigs uh, for the monitoring and troubleshooting nodes specifically. Um, and um, th- th- this this has just been a, a common problem that I've seen where, you know, they get Ice up and running with a small test bed on a little sixty gig drive um, in this virtual machine, and then they forget that that's how they deployed it, and they'll try to expand that deployment without providing any more uh, physical drive space.
3: Yeah, and uh, listeners, drives are cheap, you know, storage is <laughs> Just cheap. Just buy it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, please. Allocate half a gig a gig,
2: I mean, I'm sorry, half, of,
3: half a, terabyte. Uh, a terabyte or a terabyte. Um, I mean, there's n- really no excuse for that in today's uh, day and age.
2: Now, Aaron, I see. I, I perused through some of the configuration uh, stuff associated with the this iSolution, and I see there's a lot of talk about specific dot one X deployment methods. Mm-hmm. Um, are there some that are more preferred than others? Sort of, what, what's what's the best way to go about this?
1: Now, that's a terrific question. So, um, you know, there's been a lot of dot one X solutions come out of Cisco. We have one called Identity Based Network Services, which is a, a um, they, they were the first ones to really come up with this. Um, monitor mode, low impact mode, and then high security mode as deployment methods for 802.1X. It's all based on some Cisco enhancements to 802.1X to really make this solution deployable instead of an access prevention technology. Um, And uh, we've expanded on that a little bit more in TrustSec and and we've, we've modified some of those names and created a couple more steps. Um, But we usually like to start off in monitor mode. And monitor mode is uh, allowing whether you've authenticated or not, you will gain access to the network. And we can then log who's been authenticating, who hasn't, identify the broken devices, identify the devices that don't know how to authenticate, and let's get everything ready before we actually force authentication. Um, Now we move into something called authenticated mode, which um, will require authentication to gain full network access. And that is what you get after authentication. And if you don't authenticate, you get limited access. And the reason for limited access is that we want to provide web authentication. We want to be able to provision your supplicant to you if you don't have it. We may have thin clients. We may have other devices that need access. Uh, and then the next mode is enforcement mode, when we really differentiate that that uh, that, that authorization and lock you down tight.
0: Okay, uh, cool. So, Jesse, I know you're talking with customers and helping them work out issues in the TAC. What are some of the issues that you see pop up in customers uh, getting this working and deployed?
4: Well, code versions are a very important uh aspect to look at when you're going to set this up you're most likely going to need to upgrade the versions of your switch code um, I know uh, a lot of customers like to be on consistent consistent code versions uh, but there are a lot of new features added into later switch code versions uh, you know such as uh, change of authorization for example which is a very important um, you know new feature to the to the ice uh, the ice project um, but you know so you're gonna have to make sure that uh, you know, go through your your install guides and uh, make you know make sure that you're running you know your, the appropriate version of code. So, uh, so
0: what are those features. versions now? Just some examples. I mean, oh, um, give somebody an idea.
4: So you know, on the 4500s, uh, it's very uh, you know very important to be on at least 1502 uh, SG1, uh, for example. Uh, their change of authorization was added uh, fairly late in that in that version, uh, and there were quite a few issues with the you know, for example, 12254 SG. Especially when using multi-domain. Um, so, you know, go ahead and then definitely look at your uh, look at your code version.
0: So, so where does a customer? So, if you're having questions about this, where can we go to learn more about the recommend the requirements for the code versions on the different devices?
4: Uh, we have compatibility documents uh, okay. posted on uh, on the ICE uh, page. Uh, so, we can you know, if you want to uh, see the latest on you, you know what versions we recommend. Uh, you know, there are some catab- compatibility documents there. Um, there, we also have some documents coming out in the near future uh, from uh, our internal alpha, which give recommendations okay. um, for certain code versions.
0: Let's talk about some other gotchas that um, people have hit when trying to deploy the solution. You
4: know, well, I mean, port security is a big one. A lot of customers are moving from uh, port security to 802.1x, and you definitely don't want to run those on the same port. Uh, they essentially do the same thing, right? The, they're there for the same purpose, uh, and you'll have some interaction problems uh, for that. Uh, When you're passing down uh, download ACLs, um, start small. You know, you don't want to be passing down huge ACLs to your switches. Uh, Switches do have a limited uh, TCAM memory, uh, do have limited TCAM memory space. Uh, So, you know, we definitely uh, you can run out of TCAM space if you have a fully loaded you know, 6K, and you push down, a, you know, huge ACL to every port. Uh, you you may run out of TCAM space, and it's really important to have a a good understanding of the deployment in an, in a small pilot or, or in lab testing. Um, you're basically putting your ports into a blocking mode. Uh, so, you know, you'll find that things break when you when you interrupt communication. Uh, you know, for ex- a good example is if you boot up a PC. Um, and if you're not if you're not doing machine authentication, uh, you know that machine is not able to talk to Active Directory, so that user may oh, okay. not be able to Got log into the machine right. uh, because there's no network access. So you need you know you need to think about um, different different flows in the in the network when you're uh, you know when when you're actually putting in a you know hard block in your uh, on your port.
0: So I guess do you get um, do you help out customers in some cases or or people that are running into these very basic issues from the start?
4: Yeah, I would say one of the most common issues, uh, going back to the you know the Active Directory um, uh, example, would be group policy objects. Uh, you know, you, they're used to passing down uh, group policies during uh, as the machine is booting. Oh, so, and it's missing that whole step. Exactly. Okay. So if you're if you're blocking access, you know, to your your resources while the machine is booting up. Uh, you know, you're not going to get those, gr- your, those group policies.
0: Okay, and we'll uh, make sure to post the deployment guides that we're talking about these resources on the uh, show notes page for this episode.
1: Right, so um, uh, to, to Jesse's point, we actually call out the need to authorize the machine uh, to the network so that group policy objects and things like that will work prior to a user or an, an interactive user login. Um, and that's actually called out in the deployment guide, which should be posted on Cisco.com um, sometime uh, November 2011. Um, and uh, like I said there's a lot of the, a lot of things we've been talking about are actually called out specifically in that deployment guide. It will be called the TrustSec 2.0 Deployment and Implement or Design and Implementation Guide.
3: Yeah, that's great information. Um, you know, we talked a lot about what ICE is and. The deployments and what's required of the deployments, and let's try to transition a little bit onto those customers that already have ICE deployed, and some troubleshooting techniques and uh, monitoring that we've um, that we've you know we can kind of uh, educate them on. So Jesse, you know, as you take these cases day in day out on the ICE, what are some common you know troubleshooting problems that our customers experience, and you know how can we help them um, walk through those problems and, and solve them on their own?
4: Sure. So a lot of times, uh, you know, a customer will come in in the morning and they will have users that cannot get onto the network. Um, so w- when you're when you're looking at something like that, uh, basically you want to get a very you you want to get a very good idea of what the problem actually is. Um, so you know, is the user seeing an error message? Uh, are they, you know, are they just getting denied authentication? Are they getting the wrong VLAN? Uh, So you want to get a very uh, concise, uh, you know, problem description from from the user so that then you can go and start looking at, uh, you know, at your solution. Um, A very powerful tool in ICE uh, is the monitoring and troubleshooting section. Um, There's a bunch of canned reports there. Uh, It shows very detailed information uh, for the user authentication. Uh, One thing a lot of customers miss, uh, there's a a details option uh, on each authentication, uh, whether it be passed or failed. If you click on that details button it shows you exactly all of the attributes that uh, identity services engine uh uses to make its policy decision um it, it shows which rules were hit it shows the order in which the rules were hit um so a lot of times you know a, a policy will be will be created uh and un- you know you'll get unintended consequences from that Uh, you know, maybe you had users in a group you didn't realize you had in that group and all of a sudden they start getting a a different policy or a different authorization result. Um, So monitoring is a a very, very powerful tool uh, to start uh, and it gives you a broad overview of of what you're doing. And
3: and so I think, you know, the two key things is, you know, who is the user, you know, what is the user ID, what device are they attempting to authenticate um, via and what's the IP address of that device. You use that, go to the monitoring and troubleshooting section, Within ICE itself to try to narrow in on you know any logs that correlate with that user um, and their inability to access the network, but at the same time, you know you can also jump to the device that's authenticating them or, or sending the authentication information to ICE itself, right?
4: Exactly uh, because normally your supplicant or your is going to state something uh you know it's going to state either hey authentication failed or they're going to see a success on their side but then they're not going to be able to access a network resource um you know in that in that case you know a lot of times we are switching vlans here uh, if you're doing posture assessment and things like that so an unpostured machine will get one vlan a postured machine will get another vlan um, so if that posture didn't happen, the user may see it success from their side, but then not able to access uh, network resources, for example.
3: Um, but so, at, at the same time, the device that they're authenticating via dot one x to, it can send those syslogs, um, or ICE can go out and pull it via SNMP to find out what that state is and do some correlation well, within the logs, right?
1: Well, what's happening, what's happening with those syslogs is that I- if there was a success or a failure applying that authorization result, um, that syslog actually gets processed by ISE so that ICE knows not just that it sent an access accept with a VLAN into a specific thing, but it also um, it also will, will say yes, and the a- access list was applied correctly, the VLAN was applied correctly, right? So it has a better census of what state the switch is. And it's doing that just by correlating the syslogs. Um, the SNMP is actually used, uh, for the profiling pieces. So, um, with the current ISE, which is 1.0, um, we use SNMP to pull the switch and gather data that the switch has collected. Things like CDP tables, LLDP tables, right? Um, things like that, that we're pulling from the switch to help profile devices.
0: So guys, um, let's sort of bring this together, um, Let's talk about, uh, do you guys have a good example of when there was a, a problem with the solution and how you use these different troubleshooting tools to figure out what the problem was and resolve it for the customer?
1: Uh, absolutely. So one of the most common ones is that the the, the customer is not getting the result that they expected when someone accesses the network. Um, maybe they expected them to be put into VLAN 40 and they're just accessing VLAN 10, something like that. So... To that monitoring and troubleshooting on a regular basis, we'll click the magnifying glass for the details on that user's authentication, and we'll follow the steps and see that hey, they hit the default access policy, which means they didn't hit the specific rule above, right? So we see what it did from authentication perspective, and we see that it found the user in Active Directory. We see that it um but it, it didn't match one of the rules above. and that's usually due to you know something being misconfigured in that policy.
4: Right. And I actually had a, a case in this just the other day where uh, you know the exact the exact you know description here was happening where you know a customer called in, they're like, my user, you know, I have a valid username and password. they authenticate, but they're not getting you know the authorization result that that I expect. Um, and, and using the details tab, uh, you know, if you go in there, there's a, there's a section called authentication details, and it shows you every attribute that, that, uh, that ICE has um, to make its policy decision. Um, and one of, the, one of the items in there for an Active Directory authentication is uh, Active Directory groups. So it displays every group that user is a part of an Active Directory that it was able to retrieve. Um, and when looking at the authorization policy rule, they had a rule pointing for Active Directory group. And when we look back at the details tab, that user wasn't part of that Active Directory group. Um, so, you know, to, then to resolve that, you know, go put the user you know, in the proper Active Directory group to, to match your, your that's policy. That's nice that
0: the tool shows you right there what it knows about the group membership. You know, that's nice that it's all, it's all there together. Hey Aaron, so with other products that have Active Directory integration um, in the TAC, I mean we're commonly troubleshooting issues that have to do with Active Directory, but from our products perspective, are there any specialized tools or methods that you can use on ICE in order to, uh, to troubleshoot Active Directory?
1: So Active Directory integration is a is hugely important with an ISE, uh install. Um, it actually integrates, literally it joins the domain just like a, a Windows box will. Um, So, you're going to want to make sure you have good relationships with your AD administrators. You've got to make sure DNS is configured correctly and that it's it's in order. NTP usage is critical, just like with anything else that's going to talk to Active Directory. Um, And and make sure that ISE, each ISE node uh, individually has decent access to the domain controllers. It's not being blocked by a firewall or something.
4: And I find it important to have a, a good relationship with your actor directory admin. Uh, I know a lot of companies are <laughs> buy them coffee, right? Uh, right, exactly. Uh, so a, a lot of companies are split along the server network, you know, server admin, network admin boundary, and uh, you know, we see a lot of times where the uh, the network admins are tasked with uh, maintaining and you know installing and maintaining ICE. Um, so you know it's a good, it's it's good to have a good relationship with the Active Directory team because you may see an issue um, that you you know don't know where to start with, but your Active Directory admin may say okay that sounds like this you know and let me go let me go check that. We find that to be a very important aspect. I mean we ended up bringing Active Directory admins on the phone a lot uh, in TAC cases. So you know the network admin will open up open up the case. We eventually get to you know. Uh, what we see as an Active Directory interrogation issue at that point, you know, it's good to get an Active Directory admin on the line. Uh, there's a lot of tools that you can use uh, to troubleshoot Active Directory issues. Um, a lot of good ones are like DSQuery, uh, you know, ADSI Edit. Uh, if you're doing any LDAP queries. Um, you know, there's a lot of good Active Directory tools that the admins have access to that your the, your network team may not have and access to. You
0: need that information, right, to progress with the case. You gotta you t- troubleshoot it down to some other issue. You gotta gotta get that info.
4: Yeah, it's either information we absolutely need or information that makes troubleshooting the issue m- much more uh, you know, quick than it otherwise would have been.
1: So, and, and along the lines of troubleshooting outside of Active Directory, you know something like this is very integrated into the configurations of the network devices themselves, the, you know, the switch, the wireless LAN controller. Um, there's tools like the advanced troubleshooting tool inside of ICE that will literally go out to the switch, pull its config, and compare it to what's in the tool as being like a good config. Um, we know that it needs to have these types of things. So you actually tell this tool I'm trying to do 802.1X authentication. I want it to be in monitor mode. I want it to be, you know, and, and the tool will actually go and compare it and point out where there's differences.
4: That, that's a great point. I mean, this is a solution. This is not a product, right? ICE works with, you know, we've mentioned all of them here, the, the supplicant uh, on your end devices or or the wireless, you know, supplicant on your end, on your end devices, uh, you know, there are uh, there's the relay from the network access device or the NAD uh, and then you have ICE and you know ICE may be going to Active Directory so there, there's a lot of pieces here as a solution um, so you know don't don't forget about the other pieces as well and uh, you know it's important to narrow down narrow down the issues as best you can as well
1: so you know one other thing I'd like to make sure that that we make a, the listeners aware of is, is you know the scaling and the design um, uh, you know, it, it is a licensed solution, but the licenses are maintained centrally, so you can continue to add um, more and more ICE nodes to your deployment, and, and basically the cost there is the hardware for it. You know, you're buying another appliance for here, another appliance for there, um, but it's all sharing the same licenses. Um, with that, you know, there's redundancy that you can build into the solution. In order to scale it up, we want to add more and more of what we'll call policy service nodes. Um, these are the ICE devices that are going to handle the RADIUS requests and send the results down make the decisions right so we can scale that up and just continue to add more and more policy service nodes right while still having a single or preferably two administrative boxes two monitoring boxes right so that we have redundancy with those right so you, you can scale ISE 1.0 up to a hundred thousand devices um, and that requires uh, that requires a number of policy service nodes, two admin boxes, two monitor boxes, or it can all be on a single box and have up to ten thousand nodes.
4: Yeah, and that's a that's so, a lot of things that uh, people are going to see first, right? You're going to take you're going to install Ice, uh, and then you know you're going to put it into distributed services mode. So, kind of keeping with the troubleshooting aspect, um, you know, you want to make sure that your your nodes uh, can communicate with each other. Uh, one thing a, a lot of people seem to miss is that the certificates need to be uh, copied over to each node if you're going to use self-signed certificates. So a lot of people are uh, e- either evaling ICE or having it in a uh, proof of concept where they're not using self-signed uh, certificates. Uh, so you want to make sure that each each ICE node trusts each other's certificate. Uh, that's a, a pretty uh, common issue that, that is missed.
3: And one other thing um, you mentioned, Aaron, you, you talked about ICE or ICE... Uh, 1.0 versus 2.0, and we've talked about 2.0 briefly. Can you mention the differences and what you mean by 1.0 versus
1: 2.0? Well, at the time of this recording, we're actually in 1.0. Um, that's the the you know the version that's out there publicly. So, Aaron, you just
3: mentioned um, Ice 1.0 um, in your comments about scalability. So, and I think you also mentioned trussec 2.0 as well. So what's the significance of the version numbers and how that relates to uh, you know to our topic today
1: Uh, that's great so uh, when I was talking about earlier about Trussec being a system um, that combines all these things um, in Trussec 1.x we really had ACS as our policy server Um, Trussec 2.0 and forward is really where ISE falls in as the the policy server so that's that's really how that works and with each revision of Trussec we may be adding new devices that can can be part of this system Um, from a product standpoint you know and I mentioned scale earlier with 1.0 with each version of ISE right as the product itself we're trying to increase its features but also increase its scale right so you know in in a 1.0 product scaling to 100,000 endpoints is probably pretty good but 100,000 endpoints is not enough for some of, of Cisco's large customers um, so, like 1.1 increases that scale. 1.2 will increase the scale even more, right? So, with every version, we're trying not only to improve features, but also uh, to improve scalability.
0: All right, well, that's our uh, episode on ICE. We hope that this episode um, allows you to. Get your deployment of ICE up and running, and if you in, encounter any trouble, um, you know how to get started troubleshooting those issues. I want to thank our special guests on the show today, and if you want to view the show notes for this episode, as well as listen to other episodes of the Tax Security Podcast, you can go to www.cisco.com slash go slash podcast. And as always, we love to hear from you. We like to hear about what you think about the show and also uh, what other suggestions you have for future shows. So please drop us an email at securityshow@cisco.com. at And thanks, and we'll see you next time.